I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 240 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we discuss how to respond when a part of your show isn't such a success. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we have fun talking about fundraising of audio drama podcasts. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we run down listener feedback, including some pod chaser issues. Lauren, start the show now. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all-new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen Jondrin. With me, of course, is SP. Hey, everybody. How's it going? We have a great show lined up for you tonight. A lot of talk about experience with segments that might not be there. Some great stories to talk about in our pod download and some great feedback from you to talk about at the end of the show. But Stephen, we are actually going to talk about a how I saved my podcast story to start out with. And I think, I think this is from a loyal listener. He's been on every episode. I don't know how loyal I am. I don't know if I've listened to every single pod. Yes, I have. I've listened to every single better podcasting. So I had a problem, a problem with my Wi-Fi, with my home internet connection, which of course is going to impact podcasts, especially the way we do podcasting over the internet. So I had to figure that out. So what was happening? I had my Wi-Fi in my house, which is an Eero 5 Pro system. I have several nodes. I have six nodes in my house and it was causing buffering. The Wi-Fi would just go out. So if I was watching YouTube on my phone, watching a Roku throughout the house, it was connected via Wi-Fi it would stop and it would buffer. And, you know, I, I just thought, well, maybe it's actual YouTube or whatever. And it just started getting more frequent, more frequent. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. So I went into the Aero system. I tried to do a couple of health checks. It either said it wasn't connected to the internet or everything was fine and it, it was healthy. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I know that the Aero system has updated to the Aero 6 system and they did some firmware slash software uh, changes with that and they were starting to roll it out to everything and there were some known issues there but since i had a completely healthy network and it wasn't really slowed down it would just stop from time to time i don't think that was it so when it happened i rushed to my podcasting computer which is hardwired into the whole system and i ran a continuous ping from a command prompt in windows and for those of you that don't know what that is I'm basically pinging one of the most stable connections out there, which is Google. And the IP address for Google is 8.8.8.8 or 8.8.4.4. And in a command prompt, you can type in ping 
space, that IP address, and then dash T and just let it run continuously. When it was running continuously, it started to lose packets. And that's a good indication that either something's wrong with your internet or something's wrong with the modem. I contacted my internet company who ran some checks, you know, through a bot. They told me, uh, we can reboot your router or, se or send a signal to reboot your modem and, and that will work. And I'm like, okay, fine. I, I had them do it just so it's on record that it had to be done in case I had to go back to them. But it sounded like there was no outage or, or no other issue. I have had that issue in the past. So I ran some more pings and I lost a couple more packets, not a lot, just a couple, but it was enough to get me worried. So I changed out my Eris modem, which this is the box for it. It is the SB6190. I actually have the hardware right here as well. This is, this is how big a uh, cable modem is. It's cable because the coax goes in and then you get internet out through the, uh, cat five cable or the ethernet cable or whatever. And so I changed that out and I got, it's brand new this fall. I got an Eris S33 router. Now this is what converts the signal from the outside into usable internet for your system. You can connect a Wi-Fi device into it. So you can have Wi-Fi in your house. That is my Eero five pro mesh Wi-Fi system that I have connected, but it doesn't have to be that it could be anything else your Wi-Fi router. They do make combo modem Wi-Fi routers, but I never use those because they seem to go out at different times. So I just don't want a, a singular box to go out. I want to make sure I know what is going to go out. So anyway, I bought the S33. Unbeknownst to me, the old SB6190 had a kind of a faulty chip into it, the Puma 6 chip, which had interjected latency and jitter into the signal. It was a known issue that got sued in a class action lawsuit about it in 2017. I've had the modem since 2016. I got it in August, 2016. So just over four years, I know not all cable internet companies make you rent your modem. Mine does. So one of the things that I did is I wanted to get rid of that 10 to $15 modem charge that they were sending my way every month. And I bought my own at $130. I used it for 51 months. So that brings it down to like $2.50 per month versus $10 to $15 per month. I got better performance out of it. And then when it was time to change it out, I was just able to go to the store and get a new one. Now the S33 is brand new. You can't find it everywhere. I was lucky enough to get it same day in my local Best Buy. And I was able to install it right away. There's self-install instructions with your cable company. You have to make sure that the modem is capable with your cable company that you get your internet from. And if you're doing DSL, you know, you need that type of modem. If you're doing a fiber, you need a modem to deal with fiber too. So not all modems will work with all systems, but it is an integral part of your internet. And if you have some problems with it, I would suggest that you contact your internet providing company, find out if there is anything going on with the internet itself. They will try to diagnose your modem for you. And then if it is a problem with your modem, you can do a continuous ping to just check for sure. And then maybe put your computer straight into the modem versus going through the Wi-Fi just to see that, uh, you know, eliminate the Wi-Fi router as part of it. And then 
that is how to tell that it's bad and that is how you can get it. You know, Stephen, we've been dealing with this modem for four years. I shudder to think about all the problems we've had along the way, how some of them might have been because of this little white box. Yeah, if you've ever watched this live stream, because we do stream the show live, usually on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time at Geeks.Live, you might have seen some issues that have been there that have made us wonder. So maybe could have could have been that or it could have been something else. So who knows? In any case, uh, yeah, I think it's a great story to tell because you never know when these expenses are going to crop up if you are doing podcasting as your hobby, especially if you depend on things like the internet in order to do it. So thanks for sharing that, SP. And if you've had any stories of your own, we'd encourage you to come to our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord to share that with us over there. Because fun fact, that little unbeknownst to him lawsuit comment that he mentioned about the previous modem, yeah, he found out about that through our Discord server. So uh, thank you to our Discord community. Yeah, this specifically, that was Jason Alarun on the Discord server. So thank you very much, Jason. I actually think I ran across that years ago and just kind of discounted it because, oh, the modem's working. It's no big deal. And I, I should have been more diligent on it. In any event, in my experience, modems, they last like three to five years and it's time to get a new one. So pay attention when you buy your gear because you're probably going to need a replacement eventually. In our opinion, one of the key factors in podcasting is evolving your podcast content as time goes on. And sometimes that means it might be time to retire a part of your show. Whether it's a single segment or something as simple as a running joke on the show or something larger like the entire outline and format of your podcast, or maybe it's the frequency or the length. Sometimes you do have to let things go and move on to new parts of your podcast. However, what happens when you decide that it is time to remove an element of your podcast? How are you going to do this and how are your listeners going to receive this? Today, we want to talk about some scenarios where it might be time to retire parts of your podcast, why you might consider it, and how you may want to handle this change to make it easier for your audience. SP, I have a question for you. West. How do I know it might be time to remove part of my podcast? Good question. Now, some of the indicators that it might be time to remove something from your podcast include that you actually should pat yourself on the back for. Because if you're having this scenario, it means you've been consistent for a very long time. It's when something starts to get stale. So do you have something that you feel is starting to get glossed over because it's been around for a while? Perhaps you have something that you used to put a lot more effort into, but now it's been around so long that you're just less motivated to do it and you just pencil whip it. Some examples of this include like standard blurbs and calls to action in your show, intros and outros to your show that have been around since day one, or segments in their entirety. Another example of a reason why you might want to consider removing something from your podcast is because you've seen an increase in negative feedback about it. Now, it's important to consider this in relation to your total download metrics. As you grow, 
you might find that the frequency of these comments increase, but you should remember how many people are not emailing you to complain. If you're finding that this number of complaints or negative feedback is growing exponentially in relation to your total metrics, it might be a good indication that it's time to let it go. Let's give an example. Let's say you've got 100 listeners per episode to your podcast, and there's something about your show that just bugs a few listeners. Let's just say for the sake of argument, it's the way a co-host says thank you to your listeners at the end of the show. For example, we'd like to thank our patrons, including patrons X, Y, and Z. And every single time that co-host says, including every single show, including the same way, the same length and everything. At first, you get about three negative comments about it. You get a one star Apple review stating the repetitiveness of the sign off bugs the listener. You get an email from one listener that generally gives you positive feedback, but this one time takes the time to write you and ask you to change that bit of it. And you see a comment in a general podcast discord server about podcast pet peeves. And this particular one shows up as an example of one of them. It's at the end of your show. It's a very small part of your show. It's just one repetitive thing that has happened, including same thing over and over again, right? Now, in truth, this should be enough information for you to key in on and change this one little thing about the show. However, despite the three comments, it just comes natural for your co-host to say the outro this way and just keeps on doing it. So about a year goes by, your show grows over the course of a year, and it's about, what, a thousand downloads now? I mean, you're actually being pretty successful with your show, but the amount of negative comments grows in the course of the year. Instead of just three negative comments, now there are 30 comments, all desperately asking your co-host to stop saying, including the same way. You actually see a drop off in your Apple podcast statistics of listeners stopping right at that point to listen to your show when your co-host says, including you start to lose some patrons of backers that have given you a negative comment about the issue. And it's probably time to deal with the statement and change it up or get rid of it. So that's a example of the same proportion. Now, imagine if those comments grew instead of 30. It's 300. You bet. I hope you would have stopped it before it got that bad. But that's just an example of a proportional uh, negative comment to the co-host saying that. So I've actually seen that happen before on just one word. And you need to pay attention to the comments about it because you have 100 listeners. You have three people saying about it. You have 1,000 listeners. You have 30 people saying about it. What about the rest of the people? Are they just not bothering because they just stopped listening at the point or whatever? I mean, you need to look at indicators over the time. Steven, what's the next reason that you talk about here? Well, before I get to that, I want to thank you for including that example. Just wanted to throw that in there. (laughs) You got it. The next reason why you might want to consider removing something is because maybe it doesn't offer the same value it once did for your podcast. For example, perhaps you created something which served a need at the time, but since that need's gone, 
Your listener's time is valuable, and it's important that your content serves a purpose. If you feel that something isn't offering the same value, you should consider whether or not it makes sense to keep it in there. Here's an example. Over on the Gunna Geek Show, it's a show that SP and I do with our co-host Chris Farrell, we're a tech podcast, we, for a while there, did a recurring segment called the Samsung Note 7 Watch. If you don't recall what this was, this was the infamous Samsung phone that was catching fire everywhere. And we called this the Note 7 Watch 2016. We had a stinger developed for it. We made it a recurring gag where we would always share the latest story in that. Sometimes it was a lot of time spent on it. Sometimes it was a little. But it became a recurring gag because it was such a frequent thing within the tech news of the, the year. And so we did that. And then it ran its course and it got old as the news started to dwindle. Because obviously, at some point, that was solved. All the devices were recalled, but that's a whole other situation. So we ended up pulling that out, got rid of it, because it no longer served a purpose anymore. We were kind of struggling a little bit to get some content for it. It ended up feeling like, okay, we're just doing this now just because it's in here. So it really stopped serving a purpose for our audience, and it was time to pull it out. Another reason that we want to quickly mention is if a segment becomes its own show. Now, I'm going to turn this one over to SP because he's got a great example of this. I do a weekly podcast called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's about the general Marvel comic universe, but it's usually the TV shows and the films like the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the big Avengers films, and then some of the smaller stuff that other houses do like Sony. Included in that podcast a few years ago, I started a segment, which was the weekly rundown of the Marvel comics. And I had some guest hosts come on and give me their takes of the comics. It was actually pretty successful. It was so successful that it ultimately became its own show. So we removed it from the main Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. There were a lot of other reasons, like it was making the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. show a little bit too long. It really had its own audience and deserved its own show. And it was good enough to be its own show, just plucked right from it. Matter of fact, the first like 16 or 17 shows, I actually took the segment from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. And then I just shoved it right into Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition show. Eventually, the show Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition pod faded for a lot of reasons we won't go into today because it's not the focus of the episode, but it's worth noting that sometimes you can remove a segment from your main show as it grows on its own and it becomes its own show. Just wanted to throw that in as an example. Now, the last reason we want to mention about a segment or a bit or something in your show not doing so well and and needs assessment is it's just not fun for you anymore, right, Stephen? Yeah, if you're finding that something you're doing is no longer fun, as a hobby podcaster, you should consider removing it. A sign of this might be that you regret having to prepare for that section each episode, or maybe you're finding that you're kind of grasping at straws while developing content for that section. And another indication might be that during editing or even previewing your show afterwards, you kind of find yourself cringing at that section. If you're not having fun, perhaps it's time to remove whatever it is that's making it less fun for you. Again, you're a hobby podcaster. You need to make sure you're prioritizing fun. I know 
SP, I'll turn it over to you again. You made a recent change with Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. that plays right into this. Yeah, I did. I don't even think I told you about it yet. I'd been taking somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes each episode in post-production to list the entire cast and characters and the actors that played those characters in the television series episodes. We usually do two of them uh, week by week basis now or films. And this is in the show notes for each podcast each week, 30 to 60 minutes doing that. That is, is people are asking, well, why is that? Well, if I'm doing two episodes of a show, the cast for each episode doesn't perfectly overlap. So you got to go in and you got to make sure that you're not double counting somebody twice. You have to make sure that you're counting everybody that's in both episodes and everything. So it actually took a lot longer than I ever meant it to be. And there are definitely reasons to include that information in the show notes. First of all, there are search engine optimization or SEO reasons to throw that in there. And ultimately, it's basically like sort of spamming the author tag in your RSS feed used to be that Apple podcast get away with, or you can spam tags in YouTube videos now too. If you happen to upload a YouTube video and go into the tags, you can spam all that information in there. And I wouldn't necessarily call it spamming because in the show notes, you're actually saying who was in the episode in the YouTube tags. You're actually trying to bring people in like lesser known actors were a part of this or a lesser known director or writer was part of this. And you just want to make sure that they get the credit for it. It is a good record to discuss that in the episode. And it familiarizes me with the material because I'm the one deep in discussion about it. And I just want to make sure it's kind of like studying for a test. The more and more you do it, the more you get the information. Here's the thing, though. It was taking an excessive amount of time on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes that I was producing that were talking about those two episodes a week, like I I'd mentioned. These could be like two episodes of Daredevil over on Netflix, two episodes of Luke Cage or Jessica Jones or anything that we've been watching that's streaming and is ready to go. We watch two of the episodes back to back and we throw it on there. All this time was making it less fun. It was just a pain to go through each week. So I just stopped doing it. And the moment I was creating the show notes, I think it was like two episodes ago, and I got to that point in the show notes and I asked myself, do I really want to do this? And it was like 30 seconds later and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I just sighed happily. <sighs> and then it just went on with everything. Yes, I lost it as part of the show notes, but it was up to an hour of work for not much result back. So just get rid of it and move on and make it more fun so I can continue to do the podcast each week. And of course, spend more time writing love letters to me, that as well. There are more text messages <laughs> when I send you, like emojis and that sort of thing. I don't really write love letters to you. Fair enough. So how exactly do you deal with these situations? Well, the first thing that we would recommend is are you considering replacing whatever it is that you're removing from your show? This can be a hard decision because you need to consider if you're wanting to adjust the target length of your show or if you're wanting to keep it about the same. A lot of podcasters have a target length for your show, so you want to make sure if you are willing to adjust that or not. Because if you're willing to reduce it, then yeah, you could just go and remove that section from your podcast. 
But if you're not wanting to reduce that length, you're going to want to consider replacing it with something else to keep that target length the same. One of the benefits also to replacing whatever you're removing is that you're helping your audience still feel like they're not missing out on that podcast. If you're able to remove a section of your show and replace it with something of more value, then they might feel that it's a net win. However, if your show is suddenly a little bit shorter, then they might feel that they're missing out. Now, we want to know. We personally don't believe that running length should ever be a primary driver of your podcast content. This isn't network television here. You don't have a certain amount of time that you have to fill. You should not be creating content just to fill a target length. But it should be considered as you're thinking about all of these things that podcasts do create an expectation with their listeners and your listener may all of a sudden notice that the podcast is shorter. And so they might think, well, what am I missing out on here? And it might cross their mind on that. So you should at least be aware of the fact that your listener might be aware that things have gotten shorter. Now, if you're thinking of removing something from your podcast, you should also consider what capacity you are wanting to remove it in. Right, Espy? Yeah, like, is this going to be a permanent removal or are you just doing it less often, you know, lessening the frequency? It's okay if you want something to still be a staple of your show, but not be as frequent. Here's a personal example of this for us on Better Podcasting or how I save my podcast segment. Up until this latest year, we were religious about including it in a section of the podcast at the beginning of the show. However, this year we decided that we should keep it available, but not force it in each episode. When somebody submitted something, we'd include it. Or if we had something to talk about, like I did today, we wanted to share it, we'd include it. But we aren't going to have it in every single episode and, and have it in every episode sort of thing anymore. Uh, the reason we decided to make this change, we felt it wasn't offering the same value it once did as some of the stories. Uh, we're feeling a little bit too familiar, and we just didn't want people to think it was repetitive, same thing over and over again. It is worth a note that your podcast does not need to follow a static format week to week, kind of like what we've been doing on Better Podcasting for the last couple of years. You can absolutely modify your format with a rotating patch of segments each episode. Typically, you'd want to keep the segments along the same path as your overall topic. You don't want to stray from the topic of your show, but there's nothing stating you need to have the same acts or same segments in your show each week. Here on Better Podcasting, we typically have between five and six segments or acts per episode. We do the introduction. There's a spot for how I save my podcast, if we do that or not. Then we run into the main topic, which we are talking about right now. After the main topic, we talk about the Better Podcasting download then the Better Podback and then the outro. Do we do all these segments every week? No, sometimes we're wrong long and we don't do any Better Podback. We don't do a How I Save My Podcast story every week, but those are the main segments in the order of which we do it. There's nothing that says you have to keep that order either, although I would probably want the intro at the start rather at the end or not the outro at the beginning, that sort of thing. But anyway, we could, for instance, add another five segments into the mix like listener podcast highlights, a podcast gear review, a podcast service review an unsolicited email 
dramatic reading of the week from myself or Stephen. Or we could have the pod rant of the week. You know, we could do those five segments and we can mix and match those into the five or six that I talked about before. If we had those established segments, we could plug and play. We could get to our normal hour long length. Like Stephen said, we don't have to have it at an hour, but that seems to be where we have been at for the past few years. So I just want to keep that for the listeners that listen all the way through. And if one of those segments are getting increasingly negative feedback, isn't it fun to do anymore? That sort of thing. It's stale. It's no longer a value for our show or your show and simply can remove it from the equation and then just go on with something else. Another way you might handle an issue with a segment is removing it with the intention of retooling. This is when you intentionally remove a section from your podcast, but you know it's just temporary and it will return in a new form. To return to the better podcasting example I just gave, let's say we remove the better podback segment and retool it to be the listener podlight of the week segment. We simply stop doing the podback segment and when we are comfortable with launching the podlight segment, it returns into the lineup. Doesn't have to be back to back weeks. It could be, you could be a month later, it could be a year later, but you can replace a segment on your show by retooling it. Of course, you might just flat out retire this segment forever. That's okay. And if you do that, it's okay if you end up bringing it back someday. The intention when you are flat out retiring something from your show is that you don't want to bring it back. You're done with it. You're ready to move on. But consider how many musicians have come back from retirement. It could be the same thing if all of a sudden you feel that that need is there for it to return. Podcasts evolve and you should be willing to dig that out, dust it off if you think it can now add value to your show. So how do you handle these changes, though? Well, let's begin with the first thing that we want to mention. Are you sure that you want to make this change to your podcast? This is something that you should be certain of before you begin. One of the ways that you can do this is to consult with someone that's familiar with your podcast that you can trust. It could be a podcast buddy. We've talked about those before. It could be a podcast mentor. Or it could even be a listener or listeners of your podcast that you know can be objective and give you some opinions. You can also use listener surveys to gauge feedback with your show, which could help you figure out what to do with the segment or the section in question. Alternatively, you could do trial by fire. This can be especially valuable if you feel that there might not be a lot of love lost for the area being removed. Trying to remove it from an episode can be a great way to figure out if people will even care. If no one comments, then you know it's not going to be missed. But if people start to question it, maybe you should keep it. After all, you are the producer of the show and you get to call the shots, but most good leaders try to take into account all relevant data before making a major decision as part of risk reduction or risk mitigation. Of course, this might be jarring for some, so if you're certain you're going to be removing it and there's little to no chance you're going to keep it, we would suggest addressing it with your audience. You don't necessarily have to share the reason why you're removing it either. In fact, sharing the reason might encourage people to disagree and try to convince you to keep it. But acknowledging that it's gone might help people stop wondering what happened. Essentially, it's good closure. If you're replacing it, though, or you plan to bring the segment back or the part of the show back, it might be beneficial to be 
putting into a call of action, basically for feedback. What did people like about it? What did they dislike about it? This can help you determine what areas to focus on as you retool and what areas of where to focus. It might also give you an indication of how long you might want to take it to bring it back. If your audience is really bored with it, maybe put it on the back burner for a while, like I said, months or a year or something like that. If it was me making this change and I wanted to readjust it with my audience, I would most likely place the discussion announcement at the end of the episode. I've done this before when ending entire shows like Voices of Defiance or Starling Tribune. It's just less disruptive to the show to actually talk about it at the end. It encourages those who are listening to the end to stop listening and provide comments. If you're making a change to the show, they can more easily do it at the end of the show rather than the middle and they forget about it when the episode ends. And it allows you to ramble a little bit, some from the heart comments, so to speak, if necessary, if you really need to do it. And from the heart is definitely where we were when we ended Starling Tribune and Voices of Defiance. And we just had to speak what was on our minds right then rather than following a script or, or being short up front saying, hey, we're ending the show next episode and just go on or, or something like that. It allowed better closure, in my opinion. And it, it, no matter if it's a whole episode or if it's just a small portion of the episode, and if you feel like you need to comment on it, comment at the end. That's my opinion. Ultimately, you will want to evaluate the specific situation in regard to your show and your audience. Basically, what are your spidey sense, your podcasting spidey senses telling you? Is it something you never hear from anybody about? Well, maybe you can just remove it and no one will notice. Or is it something that people regularly engage on? That might be better to address head on. Every show is unique and every audience is unique. So you just got to deal with it and, and make the calls yourself on how you want to handle it. As we've discussed this time, when looking at what segments or bits of your show might not be working with your show, it's wise to think of those parts to basically retire. We've run down how will you know it's time to retire these segments of your show, how to handle the removal or retirement, and how to ease your audience into it. And we've hope that we've helped you in these considerations with your own show. I have a question for you, listener. Have you retired a part of your show? How did you know it was time to retire it? How did you go about it? And what did you tell your audience about it? And if you replaced it, how did you go about crafting a replacement, knowing that there was something there that you were removing? Please get that to us. Our email is probably the best way to email us some sort of video file at podcast at betterpodcasting.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at betterpod. Or we have this wonderful Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. This is the Better Podcasting Download. Hey, SP, I'll give credit where credit's due here for this week's Better Podcasting Download. You are really good at keeping abreast of the information within the world of audio drama podcasts. I've never done an audio drama podcast. You've never done an audio drama podcast. But... To your credit, you try to keep in touch with what's going on there, and I'm really bad at that. And this is a really interesting thing that you managed to find, and so I will turn it over to you. Before I get into the actual news item that we're going to be talking about here, I just want to say I have auditioned for several audio dramas. I didn't get the part, but oh my gosh, it's very competitive. People either know what they want, you're not what's there. 
And it is a very tough business to get into. So my hat is off to everybody that not only does the show, that's producing the show and is voice acting in the show, but everybody that wants to be part of an audio drama and has auditioned to be part of it. Anybody that's done the scoring or the music behind it or anything, audio dramas are really awesome. They're really entertaining. I really enjoy them and keep on making them. But This story that I ran into was actually a survey that somebody did about, and it was on scientific. It was basically just asking the people that were available to respond to the survey, uh, how do you fund the audio drama? I know there's a lot of people out there that want to have their audio drama done uh, in a way that makes money, but do they make money? That sort of thing. So this poll, which was created by Tal Minier, and, and I probably pronounced it incorrect, and I'm sorry about that, Tal. It's His last name is spelled M-I-N-E-A-R. He had this uh, Medium article out there with some questions to audio dramas about how they were funded, and he got 111 responses. So that's actually pretty good. It's not scientific, but it's pretty good. So what is the main way you funded your show is the beginning pie chart to the article. 52.3% were self-funded. 52.3%, more than half the audio dramas that responded. Now, it could be because they were all coming from a hobbyist uh, Discord server or or something like that. But 52.3% said they were self-funded. 13.5% said they were crowdfunded. So it's like Patreon or GoFundMe or something like that. And there's a bunch of others. Uh, The other big one out there was subscription model at 13.5%. None, 7.2%. So I think self-funded and none gets you to about 60%. So if you're part of that 60%, I applaud you because you guys are doing a phenomenal job of getting these funny, entertaining, or dramatic stories that make you think that sort of thing out there. And you're doing it on your own dime, just like we're doing better podcasting on our own dime. My hat is off to you there. And later on, they got to a question here. Do you pay yourself for your work? 80.2% of respondents, so more than 80 people, said no, they don't pay themselves for their work on the audio podcast. 16.2 said they paid themselves a little. And that's probably because the money coming in between, I don't know, say it's anchor ads or your Patreon, it's, you know, it's a couple dozen dollars a month, that sort of thing. So they might consider that uh, paid to themselves. Uh, very little. There's not even enough in there to say the percentage said yes. And, and a similar sliver said a decent amount. But 80.2% said no. 16.2% said a little. You know, Stephen, I think that between that and and there's a little bit more bar graphs in there to break it out a little bit further. But I think between that as a hobbyist podcast perspective, like we are here on Better Podcasting, I think that just proves that there are a lot of hobby podcasters still out there today. And audio dramas take so much prep to do and credit where credit's due uh, to be doing all of that and not trying to make any money off of it or, you know, not taking a paycheck or whatever, like that is incredible to see the numbers where they are. And I don't, I don't know how, how people do it. And that's not dismissing other podcasts as well. And, and, you know, like we put a lot of work into this show as well, but audio dramas are just 
so much, so much work. So that's crazy. So I would personally recommend, though, if you're having troubles trying to take a bit of pay from there, you should do what SP did for this show. And he unionized. That's what he did was he unionized for better podcasting. You say that as a joke and we talk about hobby podcasters, but there has been stories about these actual companies, the workers for these actual companies out there like Gimlet, for instance, that have moved to unionize because they feel like they're not getting uh, what's due to them in, in this whole thing. And if you're working on a podcast that has a team of people like 15 people and it is phenomenal production every week or maybe even every day. Yeah, maybe you deserve more than what you get. But there's also a market issue of how much money is being brought in from the podcast. So you can only spread the wealth around so much. I know uh, here in the United States, we have this uh, television network, PBS, and, and it's always a constant struggle about the funding that they get from the federal government. And it's not much every year, but that's from the TV universe of like the public broadcast system. You fast forward to podcasting and they're trying to do a lot of the same stuff with podcasting. It's just the money is, we don't talk about it here on the show for a lot of reasons, but it is a difficult situation. That's why we only talk about hobby podcasters that want to do it on their own dime because we wanted to focus on the craft of podcasting and what you can do at home versus, oh, you need to do this as a side business or something like that. We're not downplaying that because there is that part of podcasting, but we just don't talk about that here. And I think that's why you started your own union. So you're a union of one and you charge yourself union fees. I think that's what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just uh, funded my own union, right? All kidding aside, if you want to check out this article, really good information, it'll be in the show notes at betterpodcasting.com. And you can check that out. It is a Medium article. And have a look. Lots of graphs, like SP said. And let's go ahead and move on to the Better Podback. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. Oh, wait, were we re retiring the better pod back or were we changing the name to be the listener pod light? Is that what it is now? I'm confused. I think we we might. You know, that's not a bad idea for a segment is do a listener pod light. So if you have a podcast out there, you want us to uh, focus on it, uh, highlight it, so to speak, we can do a pod light on it for sure. Just get us uh, email and, and we'll uh, talk about it. We had Yakko. He changed his name in the Discord. You asked him to change the name in Discord, and he did. You know, the better podback sections where we, we take a little more time to have a little more open conversation on this show. And let's take a minute to talk about that because it used to be yakko.org. It was Jeremy Dennis. And I, and I mentioned in the, in the previous episode, hey, tell us how we say that so we can correct that. And he came in and he changed his name and goes, is that better? But now... I'm still not sure because I think it's a zero. So I think it's Yak Zero. Or in your case, Yak Z? No, Yak Zero. You don't say, there's no, no, no Z in there. You still say zero. I, well, I, okay, school me on why you say zero and why you say Z. Because I don't the, understand. The Z E, it's the Z E, it still makes a Z, a zebra, and it's not a zebra. Oh, okay. So it's Z versus zero. Okay. Yeah, it's it's right. exactly. It's it's zero, but the letter is a Z. So it it's the way it is. The All way right. it is, okay? 
<laughs> I, and I, I want to say thank you very much to Jeremy. My son is actually moving in his neck of the woods, so to speak, here in a couple of weeks. And he's just been very helpful uh, run, as I run stuff by him because I don't live in that area. Uh, I've passed through that area uh, quite a few times, but I don't live in that area. And he's been very helpful. So thank you very much, Jeremy, for that. Anyway, Yako, a.k.a. Jeremy, said, one of my listeners just reported to me that podcast mirrors cert is expired. Not cool. Now, Stephen, you are more of the self-hosting guy here, so why don't you explain what exactly Podcast Mirror is and why this is important? Sure. So I would say it's not necessarily just for self-hosters. So Podcast Mirror is a service that Blueberry created with self-hosters in mind. And the reason being is that certain self-hosters, when they were hosting their RSS feed, were putting on a less than reliable source. So sometimes the host would go down and it would cause problems with the directory like Apple Podcasts, where all of a sudden it would be gone. So it might cause problems. So the intention with Podcast Mirror was that it was a place that would pull your RSS feed and you could submit that over to the different locations. And the reason being is that they wanted to try to create more stability because they have experience hosting stuff through Blueberry and whatnot. So that was sort of the intention, but also because it's pulling your feed if you wanted to go and switch hosts, and this is where I'm talking about it applies for media host users as well, you could do it through there, where instead of having to go and resubmit your feed to a whole bunch of different places or bank on the redirect, you were, say, submitting your podcast mirror URL to everywhere. And then on their end, they went and changed it so that all these directories are still hitting that podcast mirror URL. So that's the intention behind Podmirror. Now, here's where things got a little bit weird. If you didn't know this, websites that use HTTPS, that's where you see the padlock. Essentially, it's an, an encrypted connection. If you're browsing the internet these days, you should have that padlock on the website. They need what's called an SSL certificate, and it's just a technical thing that makes that secure. And when it is invalid, then it causes errors to flag and there can be a variety of different repercussions. Good example of this, the smart home platform Wink a couple of times let their SSL certificate expire and it basically broke a bunch of people's smart homes until that was fixed. With this sort of situation, presumably somebody had seen this and I must have come up as an error. Maybe they were hitting the RSS feed or maybe there was a directory that had troubles and was giving a, a flag on that. So I don't know exactly what the repercussions were of this, but it's just important to note for a couple of reasons. Number one, this can happen to anybody. And number two, keep an eye on stuff like this, because if all of a sudden what you think is an HTTPS website that you've got your podcast on and it's coming up with an error, um, maybe there's something that your host needs to look into because this potentially, if it was left for too long, could have been a problem with directories and things like that. So it's a really technical thing, but it did sound like they resolved it pretty quick, but some people saw the errors longer than others, but it sounds like they got it relatively quick. And we've seen the same SSL cert expiration issue before either with individual podcasts and individual web pages or companies. But 
one of the companies that we saw the SSL expire for was Wink, which is a smart home company, not podcast related. And it was basically an early warning flag that the company was going to go through some major changes and possibly uh, fold and close. So this is something that it could just be a oh, oops, or it could be an indicator that eh, maybe things aren't going so smoothly with this operation. Since Podcast Mirror is essentially part of uh, Blueberry's company family, I, I don't think this, that is an issue. But whenever you see this, and, and not just with Podcast Mirror, but with other things, that's got to be something that goes through the back of your mind. You don't renew your SSL cert. Uh, I don't know if you're serious about this or not. And back to the hobbyist thing, it can happen really innocently, um, especially for hobbyists, because there's more chance that they aren't paying attention to these little technical nuances. Like for us with Gunna Geek and Better Podcasting, we do SSL certificates through a pretty common way through web hosts. And they auto-renew. And unfortunately, sometimes there's something technical that breaks and goes wrong. And this happened to us with the Geeks.Live a, a little bit ago. And I'm a hobbyist, so I'm not hitting this website every single day. I got a life to live. And so with that, you know, it's a little bit more, more I think, a little less worrisome if it's a hobbyist because maybe just something went wrong and they didn't notice it. But when it's a company, and if it take, especially if it takes a while to get it fixed, you might want to have a bit of a, a consideration on that. Indeed. We also had another odd back in our Discord server from Randy Walker. He mentioned Podchaser is such a mess. Try to add a few episode, try to add myself to some new episodes, and it removed me from all older episodes. I responded, said, Well, I've been removed from episodes myself. I wish you could understand what the process is. And Randy Walker came back, said they replaced instead of updated in seems there was some back and forth we actually tried to give dave klein who's from podchaser who's in our discord try to get him involved but apparently randy had already contacted podchaser directly and was taken care of but it's kind of weird with podchaser because like episodes drop off that are still in active feeds and you have to call them or, or, or every single thing is, we talked about it before in the show, every single change is actually manually reviewed right now. So it's not automated the way like IMDB would be. Uh, they are trying to be the IMDB of podcasting. I think they do a pretty decent job, but there are quirks. And I will say for the most part, their team, including Dave Klein, is very responsive once you engage them. 100%, I got nothing but nice things to say about Dave and my experiences. I, with Podchaser, I can't help but think they've maybe outgrown whatever they initially developed because there is weird things that come up like this. And it's not uncommon to see an idea come out and be really great when it's smaller. And then all of a sudden it outgrows that and they got to kind of go back and essentially start from scratch with the back end to accommodate where it's at now. I don't know. That's complete 100 spec 100% speculation on my part. But there are these little weird quirks that I think maybe that's the case, but I could be totally wrong. In any case, I still like Podchaser. I think there's a lot of really good information if you're looking for that type of website, but there are definitely these sort of quirks. 
And then we had another request from one of our Discord users of asking, this is from Spark, and they said, do you, any of you know a WordPress plugin, preferably free, or a service for voice messages? I think I read Anchor.fm gives you the possibility to have your listeners leave a short voice message that you can use in your podcast. It seems all the plugins and services so far are no longer supported or way too much on the cost side with too many features I wouldn't need. Any ideas? And once again, Yakko responded, we use the free SpeakPipe plan and it works great. I have their widget embedded on our feedback page on our website. Spark replied, they said, that sounds interesting. Can you tell me how big one 90 second message is on there. I was hesitant because I wasn't sure how many messages 100 megabytes will be. Uh, that's interesting. I use call8.com, which is an actual voicemail system for Legends of Shield. I have used Google Voice before. I've let a couple of those expire because if you don't use them, they, they want to, Google wants to recap the, the numbers and I just stopped fighting that a couple of times. So I've had it uh, go and it, it was free for a while, but I don't even know if you can get a new Google Voice number. Uh, but yeah, I use Call Eight, and it's only a couple bucks a month. It's a very low low investment there. Uh, I've used SpeakPipe before when I had a website, and it, that worked fine too. And other podcasters and anybody with a mobile phone, which most people listening to podcasts are you listening to it on their mobile phone now, they can go in and leave a message there. So really depends on what you're comfortable with and, and what you have technically on your podcast. Now, now we don't have an answer to that question. I checked the Discord. We don't have that yet. So we'll wait to see what Jeremy says about that. But it's a little tease that you can come over to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord to find out the answer. Now, I want to address the whole phone number thing versus something like SpeakPipe. Because when we started Better Podcasting even... I think the phone number made a lot of sense. I actually pay for a Magic Jack phone number for Gonna Geek Show so that people can leave us a message. But I also double it off because we have business cards out there with that number on there and things like that. So that's why I have it. But, you know, I, I struggle because we don't get a lot of that feedback anymore over there. But even so, I would argue that compared to where we were when we started Better Podcasting, I think that the phone number is less enticing for listeners than a button on their phone because the mobile platforms and the mobile availabilities and the familiarity with using things like sh recording short clips is completely evolved. You got things like TikTok and Snapchat and all that out there. People are used to creating short little clips from their phone. And five years ago, it wasn't like that. So I think that I think people would be a certain amount of people would be more like, gotta dial the phone number. What is this crap? I gotta use my minutes. Well, I know there's no minutes anymore, but you can put a phone number in your show notes. And most, even if you don't hyperlink it, most phones will, you can click on that and it will assume it's a number. So that is a way to do it. But I entirely agree. Like I said, most people are listening to these on their phones and they want to reply on their phone. And, and that's just how things are done. And I completely agree. People are making content left, right and backwards. They're making stories on Instagram or wherever fleets, I guess, on, on, on Twitter. I, I don't know all the current lingo and no, I don't have a TikTok account. I probably never will. And I, yes, I, I realize that I'm an old fuddy duddy 
and that the new generation coming up is is more adept. I do have state-of-the-art phone now. I can do all the things on it. If if I was listening to another podcast and they wanted feedback and I had feedback, I would use whatever method that was able to get to them directly from my phone. If it's an email, great. If it's their Discord server, great. If it's a Twitter account, great. If it's a phone number, great. If it's SpeakPipe, great. If it's any option that I haven't mentioned, yeah, great. You can leave a, a a video feedback on Instagram private message. I mean, there's so many ways that you can do it these days. And uh, just make sure you're available where your listeners are and that they can get your feedback to them. Uh, but I, I do like the question here. I do like, you know, how many can I have at 90 seconds? I mean, uh, some people want to want to keep those for a while. I will say for most voice feedback that I've received over the years, I've kept it for like one or two weeks just to refer to it. And after that, it's just taking up space. It's either in your show or it's not at that point. So bottom line, you can find SP signed up on the Tixstagram chat. Is that right? Sure, I bet you that somebody has that URL, actually. (laughs) So that's going to go ahead and wrap us up. If you didn't know this, we are going to wrap up our recording run for 2020. Yes, we always do pre-record our final episodes of the year, and there's going to be a bonus episode that you get for this show right here because we're going to do our two gear episodes we foreshadowed this months and months and months ago when we switched to the bi-weekly format that we would probably do a bonus episode here, and that's what's going to happen. So if you want to watch us live record this show, you can come on Tuesday the 15th of December and Wednesday the 16th of December. Head to twitter.com slash betterpod to tweet us if you'd like and ask us about the specifics on that, or just go to betterpodcasting.com slash events because there will be a better podcasting live chat recorded on the Tuesday and then a back-to-back ish because there's a little break in between on Wednesday the 16th and then we'll be done recording this show for the rest of the year Uh, but don't worry the release schedule and things like that you're not gonna miss a week of this show because of the bonus episode there you go that's how it'll all work out I'm looking forward to the break I'm looking forward to our gear episodes I agree. It should be a fun time. So for episode number 240 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew reminding you words can hurt. So think about what you write. You might accidentally drive someone away from podcasting. And I'm SB saying glad you listened to the end. We look forward to seeing you around next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching. And we hope to see you again next week.